Hello there. Welcome back to episode 2 of Merendiando. Part of Radio Aluna Teatro. This is episode 2 of season 2. We're so glad you're back to listen to us. And we're so excited to tell you about all the cool conversations we had with more artists in the Caminos Festival. Because you heard the last episode. Mm -hmm. You know episode 1 and 2 of season 2 are part of us showcasing what goes behind the scenes of this amazing festival mm -hmm. that Aluna Theater and Nate Dever put together every two years for you, yes. for me, for all of us. For all of us. In case you forgot, Caminos is a multi-arts festival that gives artists a platform to experiment with new performance ideas. And it is uh, an amazing time. Let us introduce you to the people that you'll be hearing from today. From the show, Siranush. I'm uh, Lara Arabian, Lara Arabian. So I'm Carla Mello. The team behind Sol, Estela y Luna. My name is Andrea Cabeza. My name is Victoria Urquhart. I'm Araceli Ferrara. The performer and creator of The Art of Storytelling. Joe Racinos, Bats. And the team behind One Night. My name is Yusuf Kudura. My name is Hari Thomas. I am Vico Venician. I'm Sebastian Marciali. So in this episode, we explore the topics of heritage, identity, the duty to share story, loss, land, multilingualism, assimilation, and spirituality, amongst many other things. Yes, yes. So we're going to dive in deep. And why don't you dive in with us? But before that, grab a snack, mm -hmm. something to drink. Yes. And let's all hold hands together. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Yeah. Me and, and Camila will hold hands right now. We are. We're doing it right now. Just for you. And let's <laughs> get into it. Monica, how do you make art? I found a nugget. I'm joking. Uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question about how to find the things that move you to create. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the inspiration? What was the idea? Mm -hmm. Something I wonder a lot is once it does come to you, what, what do you do with that little nugget, like we said, that little piece of inspiration? And that's what we ask the artists of this festival about what are their creative processes to create the things that they're showing for us this year. Well, the story is about three sisters whose mother dies and they are dealing with the death of their mother. Um, the story is a little more complicated where you get to realize that two of their sisters uh, are adopted. They're both Hispanic and uh, the backstory is that their mother was deported when they were very young and they were adopted into a American white family. Um, so they're dealing with the loss of their new mother or their adoptive mother while they still have, um, should I say it in English, sequelas from the past loss of their mother. One of the big impulses I had was I didn't feel this particular stories were being represented in arts enough or enough for me. So I felt like this was something I had to do. So I had the concept of like kind of the pillars of the story and the characters I had them. And then I was like, now I don't know what to do. So my beautiful Araceli came to rescue and she helped me pull all this together. So my role on the show is as a co-writer with Andrea. And the way that it worked is that we worked on a show together and then she found out I was a writer. Um, 
And then she approached me with this idea and she's like, would you be interested? And I'll be like, of course I'd be interested. Uh, and so it started as, as just us meeting and discussing the characters and discussing the story and where we wanted it to go and then going off from there. So we spent a lot of time just brainstorming, coming up with new ideas, going over things, writing scenes, sending each other work. Um, yeah. I was just beatboxing on the way here. I have this internal rhythm. I just I just wake up and that's what it is. So hip hop again is this show really is just coming from my being quite literally. Uh, a lot of how I even got some of these uh, some of what you're going to see and ex be experiencing uh, came through ceremony, right? Uh, divinely inspired, all of that. Uh, the show, the art of storytelling, really is uh, a blend of of spirit and and performance in a fun, exciting way, and, and told through. Uh, the culture that pretty much has raised me, which is hip-hop. One Night follows the story of Abdul Hakim, uh, a young man returning to his home in the Middle East uh, to confront his, uh, his trauma and the, uh, the cycle of violence and trauma that he experienced there as a child. Um, and throughout the story, he is guided and supported by Shahrazad, the original storyteller of the 1001 Arabian Nights, um, as he reckons with uh, his childhood. And Yusuf actually asked me to read the play as a performer in one of the strangest sessions I've ever encountered in which the director was the one acting the play, the uh, actor was the one who had written it, and the dramaturg in the room was directing the director who was acting for the writing of the actor. Um, it was a really weird place to start. Uh, I also, uh, I am very much an Anglo. I was uh, honored and also a little surprised that Yusuf had asked me to read this piece for the performance, but it was really illuminating and I got really excited by it. And so then I actually moved, I came back onto the project as a director and the dramaturg. Now that you have the idea and you have the show or the piece, it's this uh, urge to know like who's gonna want to watch it or mm -hmm. how sometimes I think as artists we worried if we need to make it accessible to everyone that everybody should understand so we were posing these questions to the artists seeing thinking about how do you navigate this industry without leaving behind what makes your story unique in the industry here it's very easy to get whitewashed as an artist um, it's very easy to get lost in that trend of this is where the money is going, so that's what I should do to get casted, especially as an actor. Um, and I, I disagree with that <laughs> entirely. Um, I mean, I agree with it to a degree, but I think you should always know who you are and keep that root. And I see a lot of artists that, that are losing that. So I, I really want to encourage them to, no, 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 we can do this and, and you can be... You can, you can show these pieces of yourself that you have may not been able to do before. The reason that I landed on this subject was at the time I was just starting out as a new actor and I was having trouble finding um, the stories that were reflective of my culture, of people in my family. Um, and I was coming up at that time against a lot of people who were coming to me as a... Uh, as a voice for Arabs everywhere uh, with like the Syrian civil war and such going on. And as a very Canadian Arab, that wasn't, it's, it's, it's not necessarily um, the, the experience that I have like the greatest depth within. 
um, but I wanted to be able to understand and share um, my experiences, my philosophies, and what I sort of grew up with. I wish I was an Arabic speaker or had like paid more attention when I was younger instead of wanting to be like, you know, a good Canadian kid. I noticed that a lot of us creatives, um, specifically in our industry, in the performing arts of the Toronto, uh, have been dealing with anxieties and depression in so many different ways. And this, this identity, this, the question of identity is coming up, right? And so we're really, as we're, all of us are digging down and in, 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 in looking at the, the soil and digging into the roots and seeing what type of plant are we, um, I, I found that... Uh, a lot of us who are tending those gardens and that, that type of stuff aren't taking care of ourselves. Like we're, we're so focused on community and things like that, that there are very few of us who are actually going, oh shit, I'm, I'm actually telling, so I'm doing so much, right? So we need a bit of self-care. With that intention, with that consciousness is where I, I'm calling in or, or bringing attention to Los Mestichas y, y todo eso, right? Like, and there's so many, we don't have to be part of the Latin X Comunidad para eso. We have Métis here. There are so many of my my cousins um, within the indigenous community who are light skinned but identify as niche. And where do they sit in that? Because there are politics within that, right? Uh, in my own circles right now, shadism is coming up within BIPOC communities and all this other stuff. If you bring into the uh, LGBTQS plus spectrum of what queerness is and things like that, all of these things, there's all of this shit, right? There's so much infighting right now, and that's divide and conquer. That's, that's colonialism to a T. So uh, by looking at uh, the, the lines that unite us rather than the lines that divide us, is is where this focus is and which is why I'm bringing attention to Los Mestichas y todo eso. Bringing yourself to the center of your story is important. Sometimes you search for the story and sometimes the story finds you. That's what happened with the show Siranush. Here is Lara and Carla. Well, I'll tell you what the show was inspired by, which was uh, my discovery um, when I went to the homeland, the homeland of Armenia. So I'm Armenian, but I'd never been there because I was born in Lebanon because there's a giant diaspora uh, with the Armenian community. And it was my discovery of um, this actress named Siranush, that was her stage name, who was the first woman in the non-Western world to play Hamlet. And I'd never heard of her. And I'd never, I'd never even really heard of another Armenian actress. Um, it was, it's, now it's a little bit better, uh, but when I was growing up, it was very much like you don't go into the arts, and so uh, it's not a place for girls, it's not a place for women, and here was this woman who had done it over a hundred years ago, and she had created her own theater company, and she had traveled throughout the Caucasus and throughout the diaspora, and she had performed in many different languages, and she had used Armenian as a I mean, I, I call it a weapon of cultural survival because she, Armenian was banned in Turkey, which was where she was born. And she kind of went on to build this career as this beloved Armenian actress. She had been working for years and years and years all throughout the Caucasus and in Iran. And her, her journeys to all these different places and she picked up the languages there and some she would just speak phonetically to be on stage and some um, she actually knew. Yeah, she's a kind of an, uh, this incredible creature. It's exciting to, to try and, and, and balance, uh, me as a director, 
to try and uh, and also of course as a playwright to see how much can we say in a language that we sometimes may assume that the majority won't understand how much do we you know what's the work of translation that we want them to do and what's what what doesn't need to be translated because we have all these other languages mm -hmm. so that's uh, something that you know it's a it's it's exciting and it is challenging because ultimately you know that's why we're doing this we're doing yeah. caminos to see the the response yeah. and, and trying I'm, to take risks i think i'm just really excited i never heard armenian growing up outside of my community it, it was like the secret code language you knew you could go anywhere and speak it and no one would understand to be able to um offer it on stage to members of my community i'm really excited about that and to put it in the forefront and and yes, I'm playing with that idea of how much do I offer the audience that's not going to understand. But in the same way, I'm like, well, sometimes you're not going to understand. And guess what? That's what a lot of people go through. <laughs> how, do, how do I put you in that space for a moment? I don't want to lose you. Come back. But how do, we, how do we negotiate that discomfort together? Playing with language is something that you'll see a lot in the Caminos Festival. Most of the shows are multilingual because multilingual life is real totally and why wouldn't multilingual theater be real get on our level <laughs> totally monica intercultural polycultural expression is what we're all about at caminos so victoria and i worked in the girl in the photograph which was a play set in mexico she's not mexican but she directed it beautifully and and to me your ethnicity doesn't doesn't limit you from where stories go it's just people need to be open to understanding other cultures and as long as that there's that flexibility within you then yeah you can do whatever show story you want i feel like um that's that's a large reason why i why i wanted to be involved in this too and and why why this festival um when we when we were working on on that show um we got a review that was saying that it was inaccessible because part of it was in Spanish and there were no subtitles. And to me, one of the most beautiful things that you can do is present a show that goes between different languages without giving subtitles because then you actually have to look at the performers and the performance that they're giving and what emotions they are going through. And that is more accessible to me than any kind of subtitles that you can give. This notion of interculturality um, is also really tied to an idea that I've become very fond of in art making, uh, which is radical cosmopolitanism. It is uh, the notion of intercultural, of like of uh, free formal intercultural exchange and formal exchange. You know, there's the idea of the quote unquote melting cultural melting pot artistic melting pot which i very firmly reject but instead something that where you have a plurality of forms cultures and experiences mutually informing each other um, where there isn't the colonial imperative for one to be given primacy and recentering the idea of collect of like collective work that moves fluidly across borders in the way of like cellular interface, where living things can blend and mold and re and recreate each other uh, in a very dynamic process. I think of um, I think of most things as ecosystems. <laughs> I think of art as e especially live art as the making of as the making of ecosystems and process and room as that of creating a dynamic self-sustaining ecosystem. You know, someone in Lebanon or in Armenia is experiencing the same thing as someone in 
Colombia or Mexico or Japan, there's there's these stories that no matter what we keep cycling through. And I think there's a lot to do with that again in, in one night and this this coming back to the fact that there's still incredible resonance for the sort of aggression and trauma that exists in the stories in A Thousand and One Nights and what we're experiencing today. And it's, I mean, you can get pessimistic about it and think about the fact that we, you know, it's been how many years and we haven't changed, but also that we are coming together and galvanizing. And I think there is a hopefulness in in festivals like this where it's, we come together and share these stories to realize that we we are all on this same boat, that this planet is one thing, the same way the Americas is one continent. We are, we all exist here together and we share these stories because we do have a common experience. To, in spite of the differences that we may have, we, we can connect on those things and then revel in the diversity that exists therein. Totally, we have to revel in our beauty, our collective beauty, our individual beauty together. The concept of cultures being separate and not having anything to say to each other is harmful. I think that's something amazing about this country in particular, mm -hmm. I will say, how many cultures are gathering here, but also how we, at least I know personally for me and for you, we try to also acknowledge who has been here before. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exchange on this land is an inherent part of like why we are even here and it's like it's it's woven into the culture of this land whether we like it or not because like the exchange that i'm talking about specifically right now is like the treaties like the treaties with the indigenous people and the european settlers they exist and they still stand but they're not one treaty has been upheld like not one treaty has been honored and that is a problem um so we do like to think about who was here who is here now who has been here and then how do we move forward together? If you if you speak to uh, some of the First Nations folks here as well, they're like, yo, you're from you're from down south. Yo, you brought corn to us. So almost like, you know what I mean? And we've been trading for so long that whenever I hear that, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's get our facts straight, right? I'm, I'm more interested in history, not history, because the losers uh, are are the indigenous, are the divine feminine, all of that type of stuff, right? So I hear things like that, and I'm like, no, 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 let's set the let's set the record straight. We are we have more claim to this land than any Europeans coming in, right? But again, that's a complicated thing because I also have Spaniard blood coming in in, in my in my blood, right? So, but for me, it's what my ancestors are calling me to sing and how I identify and what what's what is truth for me. I have a responsibility and a duty to my pueblo, uh, and to my community. Um, I've been given the authority to speak for my pueblo of Zumpango allá in Guatemala. And uh, when it comes to culture, I've been persecuted for practicing my culture uh, to this day. So that's why for me, hip hop is a big thing. It, it transcends all borders. Uh, my work um, is more concentrated. So I've been working a lot on colonization, decolonization, especially in Africa. And uh, I'm trying to express that work uh, in the historic trauma and then that expression on the body, uh, the pain we feel and how we make a poetry of it, uh, and in dance and in my writing. Memory and how to deal with personal and collective grief. I think that those are big themes in my work sort of throughout that cross these, uh, these borders. 
Many stories of cultural exchange are rooted in experience of loss, trauma, war. It's, it doesn't have to be that way, though. I mean, there are stories, there are realities where cultures can exchange knowledge and share space and not hurt each other. But unfortunately, these are the stories that are also real, the stories of pain, and, and we need to hear them. Some of the artists in this festival and some of the artists that we had the luck to interview talk about this and they create space to talk about all this subject matter, which I think also beautiful through the lens of theater. Uh, and it gives them the space to examine that and express this. From the very beginning, I knew that I wanted to perform part of the piece in Armenian. That was non-negotiable. Um, and also I was really fascinated by this idea. I think when you speak different language, like growing up from a very, from birth basically, you have one language and then another language is added and then another language and then all these languages. You're different people in different languages. And so that has been a huge topic uh, of how you negotiate that and who you are, where your voice sits, all of those things. But also for her, I was really fascinated for Siranush. Um, so she has... Armenian and Turkish and then all of these other languages that she would adopt and and so as also one of the big parts of this piece is what does it mean to use theater as a way of to survive to survive catastrophic events to survive personal loss to survive so many things in life the hardships what does it mean to keep going forward as an artist um, and so using these different languages that enabled her to survive basically and to delve into these different characters so I'm, I'm really excited uh, to explore all these ideas like okay so she played Ophelia she played it in many different languages and I want to know is her Armenian one the same one as her Bul Bulgarian one if she did it in Farsi did it you know where who was that Ophelia compared to her Russian one? So all of these different ways of, of embodying, I think comes down to language for me in the piece as well. And I wanted to be able to tell a story that would give people a window into the experiences that a lot of young Arab youth come up against. Um, that being violence and the trauma that arises from that and their cyclical nature with one another. Um, and that's sort of how the impetus for the play started. In the play, like we, we, we use a few stories um, directly taken from the text, but a lot of it has been taking them uh, in the writing process and warping them into the narrative and poetry um, the same way someone um, who experiences madness um, or someone who has experienced a great trauma um, how the images and things change, not necessarily to reflect reality, but the emotions that have impacted you, and that changes the memory. It's, it's kind of odd how most Latin American countries are ca Catholic, and most of you know, the United States is usually religious, uh, and the fact that despite sharing religious beliefs, that there can be such animosity and hatreds towards someone who's a different race than you. Um, it's it, like, it, it, I think, and also when we were exploring the characters and the story, I think religion came up in a way that these were how, how these women were raised and it affects how they go about life um, and what they believe and what they don't believe and what gives them faith. Most of the shows play with truth, 
Some are inspired by true events, some by stories that have been passed generation to generation for so long that they have become mythical. Mythical. Ah, multilingualism. <laughs> Truth becomes legend, legend becomes myth. I, I shudder at the fact when anyone calls, uh, calls it like um, surrealist or magical realism. I hate that shit because for me, you're putting a, a label on something that is a lived experience uh, that many Westerners don't actually get. We've grown up. I can only. I don't like to assume anything, but I can imagine that we've both. We, all, the three of us have grown up with stories uh, of the fantastical or the phenomenal, right? Uh, which you hear nuestros uh, nuestros nanitats uh, talking about these things, and it's, these are respected people, older people, telling us these things that they believe. So, right? So uh, that mythos. I, I like playing with words. I'm a wordsmith, so I like playing with the fact that myth. For me, it goes back to again history. Uh, what what history has deemed uh, uh, literature or magical realism is actually our lived realities. Speaking of real life magic, Lara has a beautiful encounter with Siranush, que fue la chispita that spark that inspired a whole show. I, I was completely compelled to learn more about her. So I, I ran out of the museum where I saw her image and I ran across the street. There was a bookstore and I literally ran and said, do you have anything about Siranush? And they, and they, they must have thought I, something was very wrong. But anyway, they kindly helped me and they ended up giving me um, this tiny, very slim green book which were excerpts from her diary, from her journal. And I didn't even realize that's what it was when I, I was like, great, amazing, when I got it. And then, um, so I, I started reading it and I thought, oh my gosh, these are her words. And, uh, and then my, I was talking about it with my father one day and he was looking at the book and he said, you know, there have only been 200 of these printed and you have one of those copies. So it feels very much like how, do, and the, you know, that image that I saw of her in the museum I've never been able to track down that image since, and I've sent people to the museum to try and find it. No one can find it. So it feels like this very, like, did I imagine it? <laughs> what happened? Did she just beam down at that particular moment to say hi and enter my life? Whatever it was, it was a very welcome meeting. Wow. It sounds like it was gifted to you. I feel like she is a gift, like the whole thing, she is a gift. All of the storytellers that we have in this lineup, they are such a gift. Everybody who has the courage to stand in front of people and tell a story is such a gift to mm -hmm. this world. A cabal. Uh, a cabal is uh, what uh, Los Mestica or Nahuatl uh, call the Nawal, uh, but it's that moment, uh, it's that moment where the light is about to come but doesn't exist yet. It's where the ancestors live. It's the horizon, right in between there. It is the the unseen, the only felt. Because for me, this show is my being and I am tied to my past and my ancestors and things like that. Uh, that's why that moment of Akabal is where, where we wanna live in that unseen. And the myth is actually kind of like that too because again, is it truth? Is it a story? Is it is it fake? Is it fictitious? Well, it lives in that ether. Stories are the way in which we teach children. Like from the moment they come into the world, 
Like we start telling them stories. We even use stories as adults, like the amount of people who like learn about history from watching movies, right? Or different forms of media. And to me, these written stories in 1001 Arabian Nights have so many um, universal truths in them. Um, they also reflect um, the violence that people can carry, the, the kindness, um, the chaos, all of it. This place, like even if it's uh, based, it's inspired, I would say, from uh, uh, 1001 Nights, um, I think there is a huge universalism, which is like no matter what, like the whole like history of humanity, we've been like uh, going through destruction, construction, it's all about that. And the story, which is always an encounter, like a story is happening because it's an encounter, and it's that encounter which is sometimes like changing the whole path, it's just giving a new direction. I think that is a lot of the inspiration behind the title of the festival, Caminos. Camino is uh, in Spanish the word for road or path or life journey in English. And it's talking about the journeys that take us from one place to an the next and, and what we discover on that journey. You never know what you're going to get at the end of the journey, but you do know that that journey is yours. And we also know that this journey, at least every night of the festival, you'll experience from two to four journeys the same night. <laughs> and yeah, so you can see multiple performances in one night. And also you'll see the start of the journey of this piece because this is the place where most of the stories will be seen for the first time and mm -hmm. heard for the first time. and you have a chance to see it from the beginning and then follow whatever this art is and these companies will do next. Absolutely. We really hope to see you at the Caminos Festival. The next performances in the Caminos Festival are from October 9th to 13th. We wanted to mention that if you think we didn't actually share snacks with uh, with our artists that you heard in these two episodes, you're wrong. You're wrong, because we did. We gave them uh, Two types of salsa, salsa roja y salsa verde. Yes. And some... And some really great local blue corn chips from the Neal Brothers. Shout out to Neal Brothers, they're friggin' delicious. Um, and then, uh, you know, red and green salsa is like a classic Mexican kind of spread. So, you're welcome. But we decided to edit out the sounds of us eating chips, because... I don't know. That didn't seem like it served the rest of this episode. And also the conversations were so good that we actually stopped eating in between because we were so into the conversation. That's true. Please join us every day before the lineup. You can see me and Camila live because we will be doing live podcast recording for Merendeando and we have amazing guests every mm -hmm. night mm -hmm. from the 9, October 9 to October 12th. At around 6.30 to, to 7.15. 7 yeah. So you can come and actually have a snack with us. Yeah. Because we'll have some food over there that you can share with us. And you can be also part of this conversation. Thank you so much to all the artists that we had conversations with. They took time out of their busy schedules to sit down and share their brains with us and with you. Thank you. Miigwech. Las Okamati. Gracias. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to another episode. Hear us next week. Radio Luna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theater with support from the Metcalf Foundation, the Laidlaw Foundation, the City of Toronto, the Canada's Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council. Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Schwellness with Sue Ballant and Gia Namens. 
Radio Aluna Theater is produced by Camila Diaz Varela and Monica Garrido. For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca. Follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Follow and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts.